may be seated. So we've been uh, reading the book of Psalms together. Um, we started uh, two weeks ago with uh, Psalm 148, which was a psalm of praise. Um, last week, uh, we, uh, we did Psalm 137, which is very different. It was a psalm of lament. We talked about hanging up our harps, and we, we had a harp in here, uh, played, uh, played beautifully for us. Um, it, today, we're going to talk about a psalm of trust. The psalm of trust is one um, expressing um, uh, trust in God. I trust that you will deliver me. I trust that you will protect me. I trust that you will provide for me. And it's, it's important um, uh, uh, following the heels of lament. You know, after we offer our complaint to God, after we uh, share our uh, pain with God, that we also uh, spend some time trusting God. And so I've uh, I picked... You know, probably the most famous psalm of trust, probably the most famous psalm, and probably the most famous passage in the entire Bible. Um, I, you know, uh, most people uh, that, that, that don't know the Bible could probably pick out Psalm 23 and, uh, and, and quote some parts of it. And so um, I want us to look at that together today. And normally I read out of the NIV um, because because uh, it's just easier for me to understand. And I think it's important when you're reading the Bible to be able to understand it, understand what you're talking about. Um, but if you read Psalm 23 and anything but the King James, you feel just a little bit cheated, don't you? Because you just have this... Uh, that that's what it's supposed to sound like, right? And so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give y'all what you want, and I'm gonna read uh, Psalm 23 um, the way I grew up hearing it, and the way you all probably grew up hearing it. So uh, hear now the word of our Lord. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. You know what makes us different than sheep? Well, different really than any other animal in the animal kingdom. Uh, scientists point to different things. We're able to walk up straight. We've got um, these opposable thumbs that allow us to do things. Um, 
But they say uh, the, the, the real big difference, the reason why we along of all the creatures and all of creation, everything God created, we're the ones that can make iPhones and, and, and skyscrapers and works of art and poetry and atom bombs and just all the things that we're capable of. The thing that separates our brains from, from the brains of all the animals in the animal kingdom is something so simple yet so profound. We're able to see the future. I don't mean see the future like you get ESPN up here and you can see the future, but I mean we're able to uh, we're able to, to 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 look out and imagine the future. We're able to think about the future. We're able to plan for the future. That's why uh, generations can work together uh, on a medieval cathedral, stacking stones uh, on a building that uh, they know they won't, that won't be completed in their lifetime because they're thinking about the future. That's why we're able to make moral decisions because we're not just uh, reacting to the stimuli in our environment. We're thinking about the consequences of doing this thing or doing that thing. It's what makes us creative, this ability to visualize the future. But it's what makes us worry. It's what makes us anxious. You go to a zoo, you don't see animals sitting around worrying. You, you, you're not going to go to a to tiger pen and see a tiger just sitting there contemplating his mortality, right? You're not going to see a baboon getting ready to eat something and then thinking, is this going to make me fat, right? You just don't see that kind of thing in the animal kingdom. But we, because we're able to see the future, we're saddled with all of this anxiety and this worry. Now, it doesn't, like, happen um, overnight. Babies aren't born with this ability, and babies don't worry, right? We gradually get it, but it comes in in all of its full-color, high-def, 3D glory uh, about 7th and 8th grade, right? Suddenly, we start getting this, uh, this, this wave of anxiety that we're not used to. And, and we start uh, and we start visualizing the future and we start becoming uh, uh, obsessed and, and upset about things. Um, I'm starting to notice it in, in my uh, soon-to-be eighth grader, right? I can remember when I was uh, in seventh and eighth grade just having trouble sleeping, lying awake at night thinking about, about things like, uh, like what if I, I stop breathing or... Or what if, what if the house were to burn down? You know, just all this just kind of future anxiety. Like, do, am I adopted? You know, like, am I, are mom and dad going to tell me? You know, even though I like, like, look just like my mom with the beard. Like, there's no, but, um, you know, you, just, you get all this worry. Did anyone else have that in adolescence, seventh and eighth grade? You just suddenly, like, the worry yeah, it came overnight, yeah. And I remember I would just have trouble sleeping, and I, I, I would be in my bed, I would be up 
thinking about this stuff. And when I couldn't sleep, I always did the same thing. In my hall, in the hallway uh, 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 by my room, there was this bookshelf, and on the bookshelf there was this old Bible. And like most people, like I knew one passage to turn to. So I'd get this old Bible out, and I would read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And those words would comfort me. And they would bring me so much comfort. And I would be able to sleep knowing God is my shepherd. It's a comforting image, isn't it? It was an instant hit as soon as it was written, right? Um, Psalm 23. Uh, It's surely what Jesus was thinking about when he said, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. When he talked about the shepherd that left behind the 99 to go off in search of the one. Love that image of, of, of God as our shepherd who comforts us, who leads us. In eighth grade, I knew what that meant. I found comfort there. And I'm here to tell you, you know, I, you know as, as, as a Bible geek, I like getting in all these concordances and and reading the the, the different the, the different languages and and getting all of these uh, commentaries and, and and what do all the different people? I can do all of that and not understand this psalm any better than when I did when I was a scared little eighth grader reading those words for comfort. We know what that means. We have a God who leads us, who takes us by his hands and shows us the, the waters that are good, that, that, that aren't turbulent and won't suck us in when, uh, when, when we try to drink from them, the still waters. We, we know uh, that the green pastures are, 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 are where we can feed and be nourished by the things that are good. We get that. We know that there are times in life that are dark and scary, like the valley of the shadow, and that God comforts us and walks with us there, too. Right? We get it. We know what it's about. God is our shepherd, one who provides for us, who cares for us, who loves us. I do want to call your attention to something pretty neat, though. You ever notice how Psalm 23 almost feels like two psalms? Right? You get that uh, um, one through four, where it's talking about the, the, the shepherd and the sheep. Right? And we almost want to stop right there. And then there's this other part. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Right? Suddenly, the setting has changed. 
We're not sheep anymore. We're people and we're at a table and God's prepared this banquet and he's anointing our heads with oil. And, uh, and, and, and it almost seems like, like a different psalm. But there's something really cool going on here in these two parts of the psalm. The first part is about following our shepherd. First part is about how we're to trust God and follow God, right? Wherever he leads us, we, we trust that even though the valley looks dark, right? If he's leading us to it, he'll lead us through it, right? That, that, that we need to have that trust in God and that we need to trust God. And then there's the second part. Look at the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Right? That first part is about I follow God. I follow the shepherd. And the second part is about how goodness and mercy follow me. And the word mercy there, we, we talked about this a, a little bit when we, were t- when we were reading the book of Ruth. It's this, it's this word hesed. It's really hard to translate because it means so many things. It's talking about the love of God. Uh, sometimes it's translated um, uh, covenant love. Sometimes it's translated as, as mercy. Sometimes it's translated compassion. Um, uh, the, the King James usually goes with loving kindness, Right? Because it's kind of both of those things jammed right in there and take out one word. But basically, it's God's love for his people, said, right? God's love will follow us. Goodness will follow us. If we follow the shepherd, then the goodness and the love will follow after us. See, we get it backwards, don't we? When we lie awake and worry and wonder what's coming next and wonder what we're going to do, right? And we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what's good for us and, 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 and chasing after, after the things that, that we feel like are going to be good or, or the things we feel like are going to make us feel more loved or, or, or put more love in our life, Right? And, and we're worrying about what that is. And, and, and we're sitting awake at night and we're trying to figure all this stuff out. And the truth is, if we just follow God, those things will follow along behind. The way Jesus puts it is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added as well. Uh, we had a speaker at Resurrection um, a couple of years ago. His name was Reggie Dabbs, and one of the things he liked to say was the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? And I think that makes sense, right? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? Uh, we, we get so distracted in life because we're these worrying animals, right? And, uh, and we want to figure everything out. But if we'll just focus on that one thing, the master's voice, the shepherd's voice, where he's telling us to go next, and then we trust 
everything else is going to work itself out. Everything else is going to follow along behind. That was real easy. Y'all go and do that, right? Um, <laughs> it's harder to do, <laughs> right? It's an easy sermon to preach. Crystal and I are going through one of these uh, seasons right now. Um, you know, I'm giving up two-thirds of my income um, to focus on this being a pastor thing because it feels the right, like the right thing to do, the next thing to do. It feels like where God's voice is calling us, but with that comes all of this worry. And um, in a little peak inside our marriage, um, uh, men and women worry differently, I think. I'm being a little general, but I think this is true, right? Um, you know, men worry inside, women worry out loud. And, and then um, women tend to get upset because men don't worry out loud, right? And they think that means you're not worried. But it's like I told Crystal, only one of us can have our hair on fire, right? <laughs> the other one's got to put it out, right? And so, uh, and so that's just... That's just what it is sometimes, but we all worry. We're worrying animals, right? That's just how we're created, how we're made. But when we find ourselves in those times, we've got to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. We've got to remember to seek first the kingdom. We've got to remember to listen for the shepherd's voice. We could do worse than just having Psalm 23 open on our nightstand for those times when we're worrying and just uh, pulling it out and reading those words and reminding ourselves, the shepherds got this. The shepherds got this. His rod and his staff are ready. He knows his way through the valley. He's going to take care of us. It's about trust. It's about trust. Do you really trust the shepherd that much? So I, I, I'm kind of smiling because I, I just did this uh, retreat um, with the youth. And I always, I, I can't help it, I always tell them this story and I've kind of become famous for it. And the older youth always groan when I start to tell the story because they've heard it so many times. But it's just... It's just the perfect story about what it means to trust. And it's about this uh, tightrope walker named the Great Blondine. Now, the Great Blondine was an amazing, amazing tightrope walker. And uh, the thing about him is, is around during the turn of the century, okay? And by the turn of the century, I don't mean like 20 years ago. I mean like back in the turn of the century. And... Um, and so this guy was a beast tightrope walker. He would get on his tightrope. Sometimes he would like go over Niagara Falls. He would push this wheelbarrow with a, with a wood-burning stove on it. And he would get out into the metal. And then um, he would pull out a skillet, light the fire, make an omelet, eat the omelet, and then keep going on the tightrope. Like that's how good he was. Now, if you wanted to see this, like it wasn't on YouTube anywhere because YouTube wasn't that great at the turn of the century. And so uh, you actually had to, you had to go and, and go see it. And so wherever the great Blondine went and did his tightrope act, 
there was always a big crowd. Because he was the best in the world. And so the story goes, one day he's getting ready to uh, get on his tightrope over Niagara Falls. There's a big, huge crowd there. And being the showman that he is, he decides before he's going to get on his tightrope, he's going to whip him up, right? And so he says, I am the great Blondine. Who believes I can walk this tightrope over Niagara Falls? And the crowd cheers. We believe, Blondine. We believe, right? And then he says, I am the great Blondine. Who believes I can walk this tightrope over Niagara Falls while pushing this wheelbarrow? And, uh, and everyone, everyone cheers. We believe, Blondine. We believe. Then he says, now he knows he's got him, right? I am the great Blondine. Who believes I can walk this tightrope over Niagara Falls uh, pushing this wheelbarrow while blindfolded? And they're all yelling, We believe, Blondine! We believe! Then he says, I am the great Blondine. Now who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? It's quiet, right? Do you hear a pin drop? Here's the point. It's easy. It's easy to believe from the crowd. It's harder to believe when you're the one in the wheelbarrow, right? It's easy to come to church and, uh, on Sunday morning and sing, we believe, we believe, right? It's harder 24-7 to live your life in the wheelbarrow with, with God pushing, you not knowing where you're going, what's happening next. But that's exactly what we're called to. That's exactly what it means to put our confidence in Christ. Not to, not to, to, to stand in the crowd and, and clap whenever he does something wonderful, right? But to put our whole confidence in him. Let him be in control and let him lead us and guide us wherever that is. It's our job to say, we believe. We believe that you are our shepherd. We believe that you will lead us to the still waters, that you will restore our soul. We believe that, that with your rod and your staff, you will defend us from, from, from whatever, uh, whatever seeks to harm us. We believe that you know where the grass is greenest and, and, and what's good for us, and we will follow you to whatever that is. We believe that, that, that when, when life is tough, that when life is dark, when life is uncertain, that yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be with us. We believe. We believe. We believe that your goodness and your mercy will follow us. That we will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. Do you believe? Do you believe that if you follow the shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow you? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.